This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It may be shocking, but it is true. As we watch the horror unfolding in Ukraine... What we're really watching is two immensely important competing religious events and viewpoints unfold in real time right before us. First, Russia's invasion is laced with religious elements. In many ways, it's a religious war. Some have called it religion at its worst. Others are saying the response of the world is Christianity at its best. But the reality is... There is an ideological religious fusion between the Russian Orthodox Church and Russia's intelligence service. And that fusion culminated in the 2002 dedication of an Orthodox Church at the FSB, that is, the Russia's intelligence service, former KGB's notorious Moscow headquarters. This ideological fusion was at the heart of Putin's emerging ideology. In essence, Putin didn't just seek Russian greatness, but out of Russian uh, religious mission, actually, and that mission was rooted in the Russian Orthodox Church. In fact, the Church provided the core of the Russian moral argument against the West. So, the Russian Orthodox Church, which has Kremlin endorsement, depicts a Western world that is declining to its death as the hands of decadence, sin, mired in confusion, unbelief, bored, and failing to even reproduce itself. Patriotic Krill, head of the Russian Orthodox Church, recently explained that the main threat to Russia is the loss of faith in the Western world while the Russian Orthodox Church spokesman constantly denounced feminism and the LGBT movement as satanic creations of the West that aim to destroy faith, family, and nation. In fact, Russia even adopted a term called spiritual security, which gives the Russian Orthodox Church a mission in defending Russia from negative Western spiritual influences in partnership with Moscow's intelligence agencies. Amazing, isn't it? The evidence of Putin's religious motivations has grown overwhelming. Putin regards the spiritual destiny, his spiritual destiny, as the rebuilding of Christendom based in Moscow. You say, but what does that have to do with Ukraine? Well, it turns out the Kiev is the central importance of central importance in Russian orthodoxy. It's the birthplace of the Russian Orthodox Church, the church's Jerusalem. So we call Kiev the mother of all Russian cities, they say. For us, Kiev is what Jerusalem is for many. Russian Orthodoxy began there, and the whole unity of our local church is based on these spiritual ties. Welcome, my good friend, to Viewpoint. 
Viewpoint does determine destiny, and actually this is a message that came out today. But might I indicate to you that we have been warning America and the West and the world about this for 10 years. 10 years. It all came out first in our book, King of the Mountain, the eternal epic and end time battle for he who rules the temple, Mount rules the world. It's all discussed there in a matter of three chapters. You say, well, how could you possibly know about this if this information just came out? Well, the reality is we do our research here. Yes, I am the sole researcher. No question about that. We don't have a team of researchers. We don't have a budget for researchers. But I have to trust the Lord to direct my path in that regard. And what we discovered is a prophecy, a prophecy that goes back 1,500 years in good old Russia. And here it is. In simplicity, Russia is the third Rome, and there will never be another. Russia is the third Rome, and there will never be another. That view, that viewpoint, has infused the Russian mind and heart over 1,500 years, and it is now being manifested even as we speak in the Ukrainian war. Where will it go? What does it mean? Does it mean anything beyond Russia and Ukraine? Oh, my dear friends, it means the whole world. We're already involved in World War III, but it's not the kind of war that you think it is. It's not the kind of war that the American Defense Department thinks it is. It's not the kind of war that our president, pastors, potentates, uh, prelates, whoever thinks it is. It is, at root, a monstrous end-time spiritual war. Would you like to hear a little bit more about that? I hope you'll stay tuned, friends. Again, this is Viewpoint. Viewpoint determines destiny. There are no neutral viewpoints. And if you do not understand things from a greater prophetic viewpoint, we miss the point. We miss the panoply of God's purposes. We miss the real dimensions of what is taking place. We learn all about the who and the what and the where and the when, but we don't learn about the why. And the why is the most important thing of all. But we don't get that insight into the why unless we're tuned in to the overarching purpose of Scripture. And so today... We're going to see how the entire world has, in effect, become part of this war. It doesn't matter whether the, U, whether the EU or NATO or any others get involved. Because the war exceeds, supersedes those boundaries of, uh, of, of uh, political and or military dimensions. Because this war is more fundamental. This war is not just a war of bodies or ideologies. It's a war in the heart. 
I know that may be difficult to comprehend or understand, but that's indeed what it is. I urge you to seriously consider getting a copy of my book, King of the Mountain, because there are three chapters in there dealing with Russia, uh, dealing with uh, the Pope and Russia, and uh, uh, you will find in there the complete picture of the 1,500-year prophecy and how it has been playing out over these years, even driving the Bolshevik Revolution out of 1917. That's right, even driving that. But now it's being manifested through a man who sees himself as, shall we say, the incarnation of Russian morality and religiosity to protect his country from the rest of the world. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. And I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismar. I hope you did not miss the introduction to the program here today. But as we see the horror that's unfolding in Ukraine, what we're really watching is two immensely competing religious events unfolding in real time. Russia believing that it is engaged, Vladimir Putin believing that he is engaged in a religious war to protect Russia from the decaying morality and religiosity of the entire Western world. Now that may come as a shock to you, but it was only seven years ago or so when Vladimir Putin came out with a bold statement that really took people by by surprise when he said that uh, Russia had become the moral center and authority of the world because the Western world had become so dramatically decadent. Is that a little hard for us to receive and understand? Yes, because of our viewpoint toward Russia. But if you understood that there is a 1,500-year prophecy going back uh, to the time when Constantinople was overrun by the Muslims as the second Rome... Constantinople was the head of the Roman Empire that had been transferred uh, from the Vatican in Rome to Constantinople. And then, because of that, Russia then, the, the Christians from Constantinople made their way to Moscow and Moscow, from their viewpoint, became the heartthrob of the true Orthodox Christian world. Hence, they call themselves the Russian Orthodox Church. Now, it was the Orthodox, the Eastern Orthodox, of Constantinople that made their way to the 
Russian Orthodox in Moscow. And because of that, there is a conviction that has run for 1,500 years in Russia that Russia and the Russian Orthodox Church represent the final end-time security of the Christian faith. Are you able to handle that? It's true. And when you believe something, your behavior tends to respond to it. That is, if you really believe it. And that's the problem with American Christianity. Because we have a have developed a religious system in the name of Christ in America and throughout the Western world that says we're believers, but you'd never know it by our behavior. Vladimir Putin looks at that, and you we all think that you know he's this tyrant and he's uh despicable and he's uh, a former KGB agent and so on. Yes, that's true. But what we don't understand and have not understood is the innermost conviction, whether or not we agree with the integrity of that conviction, it is a conviction. Vladimir Putin believes that he has been ordained for such a time as this to protect Russia from the moral and spiritual invasion of the West, the decadence and destruction of Christianity, and he is going to be, Russia is going to represent the true remnant of Christians. I'm not kidding you. That's exactly what they believe. And this is the reason why uh, the head of the Russian Orthodox Church and Vladimir Putin have entered into a kind of symbiotic relationship. It's almost like the ultimate merger of church and state. The archbishop of the Russian Orthodox Church, the Metropolitan as they call him, Bishop Kirill, is the spiritual in the spiritual or religious realm, and Vladimir Putin is the corresponding leader of the country from the civil realm, and they are merged together for a joint effort to protect Russia from the invading hordes of godless Christianity coming from the West. Hmm. It might sound strange, but that's exactly the way it is. Now, in order to understand a lot more of this, I would urge you to get a copy of my book, King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic End Time Battle. And by the way, what I'm sharing with you came today in the news. But we wrote about it 10 years ago, published nine years ago in the book, King of the Mountain. Here it is, right here. The bear versus the Pope. The concept of Russia as the third Rome has been woven so thoroughly and tightly into the fabric of Russian life, thinking, culture, religion, and politics as to be virtually inextricable. In a sense, 
whether consciously or unconsciously, it defines what it means to be Russian. This is the world, this the world can little comprehend, either in concept or consequence, but it nevertheless is real, circumscribing the world of politics and religion into a combined Russian state dominated within the Russian mind as holy Russia, regardless of its factual holiness of life as perceived by the rest of the world. It is this nationalistic view of messianism, Messiah, messianism, as Russian rule over others that is deeply rooted in the concept Moscow the Third Rome. It is also related to the universalist idea of redemption through Russian suffering, making Russia the spiritually and geopolitically redemptive state to ultimately rule the world as God's ultimate end-time gift to mankind. If we look closely, we see a virtually identical vision for global rule expressed through 1,500 years of the Roman Catholic Church versus Russian Orthodox Church. Each deems itself the sole and pure representative of Christianity and thus mutually exclusive and irreconcilable. No mistake was made when it was written, Moscow became the third and last Rome. So along with the title Tsar or Caesar and the claim that Orthodox Russia was the only remaining true Christian state, the doctrine of the third Rome came to justify Russian imperial ambitions and to legitimize the idea that it was Russia's destiny to save the world. So, as I wrote, in King of the Mountain, we do well to remember the classic and crucial quote of Philophi 15 centuries ago, a viewpoint not missed by the papacy of the Roman Catholic Church in this culminating moment when the King of the Mountain is going to be determined. So, here's what he wrote, the prophet in, in Russia, so be aware of God and Christ that all Christian empires have come to an end and are gathered together in the singular empire of our sovereign in accordance to the books of prophecy, and this is the Russian Empire, because two Romes have fallen, and a third stands, and a fourth there shall not be. Whoa. Have your eyes been opened yet just a little bit? Get a copy of the book, King of the Mountain. It is a $20 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Uh, give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. For writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Also, can I encourage you at this point, to seriously consider becoming a partner with us? I'm sure you have noted that we do not have advertisers on this program, and there's a good reason for that. Because even Christian advertisers, for the most part, do not want to be identified with something that may cause a question in the mind and heart of liberal Christians, even evangelical Christians. And so, we have discovered, painfully, that the only way 
that you can support a broadcast, a ministry such as this, is by donations alone. So we don't become linked or at the, at the beck and call or under the authority of any independent businesses or others that would have the ability to pull their support if they didn't like what was said. That's the problem with so many programs out there, friends. If you don't say the right thing at the right time, and it's not just a matter of what you say, it's a matter of what you don't say. Both end. Here we're totally free. Totally free. And yours truly receives not one dime of income from this program or from Save America Ministries. Never have and never will. That's not what we're about. In fact, there's not one human being that is paid by the donations of people to save America Ministries in this program. Not one. There would not be enough money to do that. And you can see then why it would be important for your donations, your loving, faithful donations, not only to continue for many of you, but also to be launched by many of you who have been listening to this program now and whose lives have been encouraged and strengthened and, yes, even changed, restored to a new level of faith and trust. And, friends, that's really what it's all about, isn't it? When we get right down to it, it's about not just believing in the, in the uh, abstract, but it's about trusting. It's about trusting God. Trusting God. You know, uh, if you were to go to the Bible and follow the most repeated theme in the Bible, what do you think it would be? Just take a moment. Think about it. What do you think would be the most repeated theme in the Bible? Well, here, let me uh, stall your misery and try to think it out. It's the phrase or the theme of coming out of Egypt. Number one, not anything even close. Over 400 times from Genesis to Revelation, the words out of Egypt or similar words can be found. Apparently, it's something extremely profound in the mind and heart of God. The word Egypt is mentioned over 600 times. Why? Does God have some kind of hatred against a geographical nation or location called Egypt? No. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the spirit of Egypt. It has to do with the, what the spirit of Egypt means in the mind and heart of God. And that's why he mentions it so many times. That's why he calls us to come out of Egypt. Abraham, the father of the faith, had to come out of Egypt even before Israel went into Egypt. Did you know that? In fact, Moses had to come out of Egypt. It took God 40 years to get enough Egypt out of Moses to make him useful in his kingdom. He sent him back in to take the children of Israel out of Egypt. And it took God 40 years to get enough Egypt out of them to allow just two out of 600,000 men that had brought, been brought out of Egypt to allow just two of them to enter his promised land. 
And then we find that in the book of Hosea, it prophesies that out of Egypt have I called my son. And we find in the book of Matthew, chapter 2, that God told Joseph to take his son, Jesus, his surrogate son, Jesus, into Egypt to avoid Herod's slaughter. And then, after a couple of years, God warned him through an angel that it was time to bring him back into Israel, for it is written, out of Egypt have I called my son. So we see Abraham, the father of the faith, had to come out of Egypt. Moses had to come out of Egypt. Israel had to come out of Egypt, and so did Jesus. How about you? How about me? Ah, that's where the rub is. So God is still calling us out of Egypt. In fact, he says, in the last days, I will again call my son out of Egypt, that the scepter of Egypt will once and forever depart from God's people. How about you and me? We'll talk about it. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a For Pastors Only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. It's so good to be able to join you here daily on Viewpoint. It's now, uh, we're rapidly approaching 27 years on the air, uh, Monday through Friday, an hour a day live, and every single day is new and fresh. I don't know of any other program like that, friend. I hope you'll come behind us and uh, become a regular partner with us. Uh, you can go to our website, saveus.org, to do that. Uh, or you can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. Uh, or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Now, things are intensifying. The movement toward the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, is taking place so rapidly, it's almost enough to make your head spin. And what's taking place right before our eyes is setting the stage for the final events of the so-called end times. Now, the end times began, or the last days actually, began with the ministry, death, and resurrection of Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. That began the last days. We are now in the latter period of the last days. The prophet Ezekiel spoke of that in Ezekiel 38, where he says, in the latter time or the latter days, there would be this 
confederation of uh, nations that are spoken of by name, many of them there, that would attack Israel to take a spoil. Then we have another period of time called the Day of the Lord. The latter days are the last portion, the final portion of the last days. Now, when those latter days began, we cannot say with definition, but many would say, well, they began with the restoration of the land of Israel in 1948. So you can see then, if that was 1948, we're now more than 70 years past that, more than the biblically given time of a man's lifetime. Therefore, we must certainly be in the latter days of the last days. How long those latter days are, no one can tell us. But we are commanded to understand and recognize the season. Now, following this season of the latter days of the last days is a period of time called, it's a very short period of time called the Day of the Lord. And the Day of the Lord is the day not with man's vengeance being poured out, but with God's vengeance being poured out on the children of disobedience. It's called the wrath of God. There is no time in the scripture when we are told that Christians will escape the wrath of man. We're not told that. What we are told is that we would not come, that true followers of Jesus Christ would not come under the wrath of God. And it's at that point that the rapture would take place. To remove professing Christians who truly are obeying God, loving him, uh, not walking in the deception of the world, who will be, shall we say, saved from the wrath of God. Exactly when that time is, is probably sometime uh, toward after the Antichrist is revealed and he begins to pour out his vengeance on Israel and Christians. How long God will allow that to take place, we do not know, and the Bible does not tell us. So it's sometime after what some people call the midpoint of a seven-year tribulation. It's not before that time. It's somewhere after the midpoint. After the Antichrist identity becomes obvious. That means you and I need to be prepared. We need to be prepared to stand before God. We need to be prepared and be pre preparing our sons and our daughters and our grandchildren and pastors, your people. We need to be preparing them to be able to stand in the evil day. And just getting some conversion out of their mouth is not preparing them to stand. They need serious, hardcore discipleship to prepare them to be able to stand in the evil day. And this is the evil day, is it not? Even Vladimir Putin recognizes this as the evil day. 
He says the Western world, with its decadent Christianity, is corrupting the the rest of the world, and especially Russia, and he's not going to have any part of it. (laughs) You know, you might think, well, it's the kettle calling the pot black. Maybe so. But that's what he sees, and uh, he's not far off the truth. You have to admit that. Just imagine if God looked at America the way Vladimir Putin does. What would you think he would see? The same thing Vladimir Putin sees. That's exactly what he would see. No, I'm not agreeing with uh, all of the decisions of Vladimir Putin. What I am saying is, in this Western world, in America, we don't see ourselves at all the way God sees us. No way, not even close. We are so far off the mark, we have bought into the spirit of Egypt just like ancient Israel did, and it's a wonder if anybody would be able to get into the promised land. So we're being tested. Just like Israel was tested in the wilderness. Forty years they were tested. Forty years. Moses was tested 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus was tested 40 days in the wilderness. And we're being tested right now. Big time. Professing Christians and their pastors are being tested. Will we walk in the ways of Egypt or not? Pharaoh, in response to Moses, said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Well, friends, that's exactly what the church is saying to God. Who who are you that I should obey your voice? I confess Christ. I believe in him, but you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. Thank you very much. Ain't nobody going to tell me I'm an American. I'm free. I can do what I want, and I will. So I'll divorce my spouse with impunity. I'll remarry when my spouse is still living with impunity. I'll do whatever I want to do. Thank you very much because I have freedom in Christ. That's the thinking in America. Even in our evangelical churches, even among many pastors, we are wallowing knee-deep in the spirit of Egypt. And God is saying, look, I've been giving you an opportunity for decades now to come out of Egypt to repent, to come clean, to agree with my voice, to agree with my words. You say you believe that you don't, because if you did believe, your your actions would correspond to your words, but you don't believe. Therefore, you're not coming in. Now, if that is God's test, where do you stand? Where do we stand? You see, that's where the fear of the Lord comes in. And we've abandoned that idea. So the only thing we have left to stand on is our own feelings. And they're not very reliable, if you've noticed. So here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you here uh, as an interim to this broadcast concerning Russia and Ukraine and this uh, spirit that is motivating Vladimir Putin, the religious spirit that is, I want to encourage you in the meantime to be and become what God wants you and I to be and become as professing Christians. 
so we don't fall into the trap of the accusations of Vladimir Putin. He's right, my friends. His observations concerning the church in America are dead on the mark. I'm sorry to have to put it that way, but it's true. I, I wince when I say it. I've grown up in the church from coast to coast. I've ministered from coast to coast. I served Christians for 20 years as a trial lawyer. 80% of my client clientele came from the broader body of Christ. I've seen the underbelly. It ain't pretty. And it's gotten worse over the past uh, 30 years since I left the practice of law. We're in deep trouble. And if we're on the near edge of the second coming, we must, must, must grab a hold of this message to come out of Egypt. So, I'm going to make the book available to you. It's a $17 book, yours for $15. Out of Egypt. Could it be God's final call? Maybe so. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, if you get the book out of Egypt together with one of the other books, then you will be able to reduce the postage and handling by $3, you see. So it's a lot less money that way. But my wife says this book, Out of Egypt, is the most powerful book I've ever written. Is she right? I'll let you decide. Out of Egypt. All right. Now we go back to Russia, Vladimir Putin, and Ukraine. We, in 2019, there were a large number of Ukrainian parishes that separated from the Ukrainian Orthodox Church that was formerly under the Russian Orthodox Church. And when they separated, they joined a new Orthodox Church of Ukraine. And that schism rendered Moscow white hot with rage. They They viewed it as a direct attack on world orthodoxy itself. Yeah, the war was already enraging. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they loved one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. The 
great schism between Roman Catholicism in the West and Constantine's Rome of the East, that is Constantinople, a thousand years ago resulted in effect two popes, one to rule each of the two competing so-called Christian religious empires. That schism was so great that it continues to this moment, even though the Pope has tried to get the head of the Russian Orthodox Church to somehow come back under the mothering wings of the Roman Catholic Church, but he refuses. When Constantinople fell to the Turks, then the Muscovites, that is from Moscow, laid claim to the final bosom of genuine Christian faith. From there they called it the Third Rome. All others were deemed to be heretics or apostates, and for that reason, a new pope was deemed necessary to oversee the Third Rome, that is, Russian Orthodox Church, the first of which was anointed in 1589 as Patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church. The Patriarch of the Russian Orthodoxy and Pope of Western Catholicism were thus set, both by position and conviction, in direct, even notorious opposition to one another. How would either one of them gain historical ascendancy to fulfill their claimed mandate to govern among men across the seven seas and seven continents? In fact, there's an important aspect of Third Rome with a new eschatological dimension. That's end time, since eschatology is the study, teaching, and doctrine regarding the final hours of history. Moscow's role, representing all Russia and Russian orthodoxy, assumed proportions vastly more significant than understood by most historians and pronosticators, including the various presidents and prime ministers of the nations. Moscow was now not only the most important city, but it was chosen by God and in a way set apart from other places on earth. Moscow then has a special religious function. It is in some ways, from the Russian viewpoint, closer to God. But that isn't all. According to Philofe, that is the, the uh, uh, prophet within the Russian Orthodox Church, Moscow is the third Rome, and the third stands, and there will never be a fourth. Moscow is the last Rome, the center of history, and therefore its fulfillment. And that means that Russia had to pre preserve its rich store of faith and purity in the last phase before the end of the world, and that is a direct quote. We don't have time to share more of that part with you. But if you want to understand the depths of this, what is really taking place, you need to get a copy of King of the Mountain, the eternal epic end-time battle. This is about the rulership of the world, friends. Pope John Paul II said that Russia and the resurrecting Roman Empire of the West were the greatest enemies of the Vatican. Did you hear that? You'll read about that in King of the Mountain.
$15 will put the $17 book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. Actually, I think it's a $20 book, but it's yours for $15 anyway. On our website, saveus.org, give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, this religious dimension that we're talking about concerning Russia and of this conflict now, it isn't like Putin is trying to recreate the Soviet Union per se. The better analogy is to the deeply religious Russian Empire that existed before the Russian Civil War. And what was that? Well, that is when it appeared that God had his hand on Russia. This is how they view it. That God had his hand on Russia as the third Rome. And that would be the epicenter of the final protection or security of global Christianity to save the world. Can you then understand, perhaps, how many Russian people have looked at Vladimir Putin as a kind of savior? as the one who was raised up with a kind of strength and authority, as they think, to usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, we can mock at that, but that's what they think. Not every Russian, but many within Russia. Are you now able to better understand why Vladimir Putin, being a small man such as he is, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but some people mock that and say he's just trying to be a big man. Well, maybe it's more than that. Maybe he really does have a deep conviction that this is his role in history, that he's been called for such a time as this. Whether or not his belief is true isn't the point. That's what he believes. And if he really believes that in his heart, then he's willing to take the heat, even from the world, to carry it out. Maybe that's the reason he's willing to stand up seemingly pugnaciously against the United States of America, or against Europe, or against NATO. Basically say, you know what? It doesn't matter what you guys think. What we're dealing with here is something far more momentous than any of our prognosticators even contemplate. Everybody's looking on the linear side of things. No, this is a much bigger picture. Now, The first known instance of a Western-based church cutting ties over the invasion of Ukraine is what we're seeing. The clergy unanimously announced 
in Amsterdam, the Russian Orthodox Church in Amsterdam has just announced that it's no longer possible for them to function within the Moscow Patriarchate and provide a spiritually safe environment for their faithful. They said this decision is extremely painful and difficult for all concerned. So now what they're saying is, we are part of the Russian Orthodox Church, or have been, but now we are disengaging ourselves because we do not share in the extent of this vision that Vladimir Putin is carrying out. So they unanimously announced that it's no longer possible for them to function within the Moscow or Third Rome viewpoint. The head of the Russian Orthodox Church, Patriarch Kirill, a trusted ally of Vladimir Putin, has declined to condemn the Kremlin's decision to invade its neighbor, referring to Russia's opponents in Ukraine as evil forces. He also said gay pride parades organized in the West were part of the reason for the war in Ukraine. Now, let me explain what this means. This means that the West, the U.S. particularly, has invaded Ukraine with its moral and spiritual democracy. Democracy. <laughs> How's that? Debauchery. And because of that, Vladimir Putin says this is way too much. Russia now is endangered by this moral and spiritual corruption that is so great that now that which God hates and calls an abomination is being celebrated in Ukraine and Kiev, which is the epicenter of the Russian Orthodox Church. He says, no, we're not going to let this happen. So, Patriarch Kirill on the war has led to unease among some Russian Orthodox priests who object to the invasion of a country often returned to as a brotherly nation in religious circles. More than 280 Russian Orthodox priests and church officials from around the world signed an open letter expressing their opposition to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It is said, it said, eternal torment awaits those who gave murderous orders. Well, of course, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has been criticized by other Christian religious leaders, including the head of the Patriarchate of Constantinople, Bartholomew I of Constantinople. Bartholomew, considered to be the spiritual leader of the world's Eastern Orthodox churches, or Christians, earlier said Putin had committed a great injustice by going to war against his co- uh, quote, co-religionists, unquote, and had, quote, earned the hatred of the whole world, unquote. In 2018, the Russian Orthodox Church cut ties with the Patriarch of Constant Constantinople, seen as the spiritual authority of the world's Orthodox Christians, after Bartholomew granted independence to the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, which was previously under Moscow's control. So, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has abruptly transformed the world. It's like a new spiritual iron curtain is grinding into place. 
a new spiritual iron curtain. What is going to happen as a result of all this? None of us knows for sure. But one thing that is happening, and that is that Russia itself is being walled off now in opposition or opposition to the entire Western world, which is the resurrecting Roman Empire, as prophesied by Daniel, the prophet. When Russia is separated by its own decision, the decision of Vladimir Putin and the Russian Orthodox Church in concert, where will all that lead? One thing we do know is that the entire Western world is going to fall further into debauchery into the spirit of Egypt and Babylon and Sodom and Gomorrah and Tyre. That's what Russia sees. That's what Vladimir Putin sees in the Western world. That's what we're becoming. Instead of exporting righteousness to the world and the kingdom of God to the world as we were founded to do, we've been exporting everything other than that for the past uh, two decades, two generations. It's unbelievable. In order to read a little bit more about the trajectory of this and what would be necessary for us in America to reclaim the proper moral and spiritual position, you probably ought to read the last third of my book, Renewing the Soul of America. Renewing the Soul of America. It will give you a whole new vision. We cannot continue on with this trajectory and hope for God's blessing. Something is going to give. In fact, something is giving. We've just realized that here on Viewpoint today. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner, friends. Do it today. Don't delay. Don't be like so many and just uh, put off and put off and put off. We can't put off what is coming. How about joining with us in partnership to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. God bless. Let's come out of Egypt and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.